Welcome to the Jenny Carlson Show. This week, I am so happy to be joined by Oklahoma City Mayor David Holt. We'll be talking about the upcoming vote for a new arena in Oklahoma City, why the mayor believes it is vital in order to keep the thunder, and how he answers those who have been critical of the plan. But first, I want to say a word of thanks to these sponsors for supporting The Jenny Carlson Show. Oklahoma Ford Dealers, Two Fellas Movers, MidFirst Bank, the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum, FireLakeJobs.com, NextGen Roofing, 988, Oklahoma's Mental Health Lifeline. And remember, drive into your best in Oklahoma Ford dealers today for the best deals on Ford's full lineup of trucks and SUVs. Ford is the best in Oklahoma. Also, if you're thinking about moving, let's face it, a box of pizza and a case of beer just don't work like they used to. Nobody wants to help you move. But we know two fellas that love moving. At Two Fellas Moving Company, we offer free, no-strings quotes for your move. With over 20 years' experience, we've pretty much moved it all. Our services don't end at moving either. Need to do some remodeling or spring cleaning? We have you covered with dumpster rentals and junk haul services. Remember, quotes are free and there are no strings attached. If you're moving in Oklahoma, make sure to call the fellas. Visit twofellas.com for your free quote today. It has been two summers since Oklahoma City Mayor David Holt first started talking about the notion that the city needed a new downtown arena. Now, on December 12th, voters will decide whether we will build one. And I'm so happy to be joined by the mayor to talk about the plan, the vote, and all things arena-related. Mr. Mayor, thanks for joining us. Sure. Thanks, Jenny. Pleasure to be here. And, uh, you know, a belated congratulations on this new chapter in your life. Well, thanks so much. I appreciate that. Well, speaking of new chapters, we're about to find out if our city embarks on a new one with this new arena. Let's just start very basic. Um, you have been talking about this for a couple of years now, but lay out the case for people who are getting ready to vote in, in December. Why is the time for this new arena now? Yeah, well, you know, a couple comments that, that kind of, I think, drive the timing, and it also kind of paints the big picture. You know, this is really the culmination of at least three trends in our city's history. One is our investing in ourselves that really started 30 years ago next month. That was when MAPS passed in 1993, and we've never failed to vote since then. And, and we have been richly rewarded with huge population growth, you know, huge economic growth, and ultimately the arrival of major league professional sports, which we'll talk about a little bit more. The second major trend is our investments in arenas that really goes back 100 years. You know, we have long understood as a community that the arena is sort of the centerpiece of our quality of life and our, and our economy in many ways. And it certainly defines in many ways kind of how we see ourselves and how other people see us. And the first time we voted to build an arena was 1927. It's what we now know as the Civic Center, but it used to be, among other things, our basketball arena. There's some cool history there. We could do a whole podcast on the basketball history of the Civic Center, including Bill Russell coming in there and winning an all-college championship. But then we followed that up in 1962 when our community voted for the Myriad, and then in 1993 voting for what is now Paycom Center. And like we've done this actually on a cadence of about every 30 years, not by design, but just because that's ultimately kind of when these 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 venues sort of run their course and, and you need to take that quantum leap forward to stay competitive. 
And obviously in the previous three iterations, it was to stay competitive with concerts and other shows. Now it's like concerts, other shows, and major league professional sports, which brings me to kind of the third trend that is driving the timing and maybe brings me back to your original question, which is we obviously use this most recent arena to attract the NBA. And as we all know, and there's a lot of crazy things that happened between 2005 and 2008 to make that possible, because honestly, as the 42nd largest market, given free market dynamics, we wouldn't have a team because there's only 30 of them. They should be in the top 30 markets, but we have a team because of a lot of cool things that happen, but obviously it's always going to be a struggle until we climb into that top 30. So we got the team in 2008 and the team signed a 15 year lease. And I fully understand that like normal people don't think of the relationship in that sense. They think of it as like till death do you part. And they certainly didn't have 2023 circled on their calendar. But the reality is earlier this year is when that original lease expired. And we really would have had no relationship moving forward with the team. And in some ways you could kind of analogize them to being a, uh, an unrestricted free agent at that point. But they did agree to a three-year extension before the expiration of that lease so we could have this conversation. But I, I do think it's important to kind of always bring that up because that's what's really driving the urgency here. Um, I would argue we should be having a conversation at some point soon about a new arena because we're clearly struggling. If you really look at the at the metrics, you know, I mean, it's great when we get a win here or there on the concert scene, but we are clearly struggling to complete, compete regionally for concerts and other shows due to the inadequacies and deficiencies of our venue. Um, and so we should be having that conversation in any case at some point, but the, the, the timing of like now is driven by the expiration of the lease. Um, and, and so we have so much to benefit from, you know, the continuation of these investments, the continuation of having a competitive arena, and obviously the continuation of a relationship with major league professional sports uh, by voting yes. By voting yes, you secure, secure all the commitments uh, that I just described, and you also secure a commitment from the team who has agreed in writing to play for 25 years in this new arena, and also the intervening years at Paycom while we design and construct a new arena. So you're looking at a commitment of over 30 years to Oklahoma City. That's a commitment that is twice the length of the original commitment, takes us beyond 2050. My kids will be my age by the time this expires. And it preserves all that we've enjoyed as in this new status for another generation. And then we can worry about other things, you know, but I don't want to have to do this every couple of years. And that's why it's great to have such a long-term guarantee. Um, but we have to do what markets our size do, and we have to commit um, to a venue. And oh, I've always said, like, this is a hyper-competitive business. We entered it in 2008. We don't have to be in it if we don't want to be. Fortunately, we all get to decide. We get a vote. Um, but there's not like some magical way that a city that is this small gets to have a team and not make this kind of commitment. And maybe follow-up questions, I'm happy to go down. You can't offend me and you can't stump me. You know, I'm happy to go down any road you want to go down. But that's the gist of it. And, uh, and then probably the other main takeaway that a lot of people care about uh, is that it's not a tax increase, that this would, this would take the place of the expiring MAPS 4 tax um, and so we would, you know, basically just pay the same rate and at paying the same rate, you get this status as a big league city for another generation. To me, that's the bottom line. That makes it a great deal for the city. Um, but we could talk about further details uh, if you don't want this to just be a five minute podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got some follow ups. How about that? Um, I think probably 
I, I know that you talk to voters. I know you talk to people about this plan. And the thing that I've heard most, and I'm guessing you heard, have heard most, is blowback on the amount of funding coming from the Thunder itself. The team is committed to $50 million. This is a planned minimum $900 million project. What what do you say to people who are just adamant that $50 million is not enough coming from the team? Yeah, well, you know, so so if you stick with that, and I'll explain why that's not even a realistic expectation to begin with. But let's just start with, okay, draw that line in the sand. I want another 50 million or I want another 100 million. Uh, well, first of all, that's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. I mean, I assure you that in the course of talking about this for 18 months with the team, we asked for every dollar amount that you could hope for. And ultimately, agreement requires the assent of two parties. And this is what the team would agree to. So I am very confident in saying, having lived this for a year and a half, like there's not a better offer coming. So this is the offer. So it's not going to happen. So you have to live in the reality of that, right? And my job is thankless sometimes because I have to live in reality. I cannot preach fantasy. I can't offer fantasy to people. Others can do that. And that's a lot more fun. But I have to tell you what, it, what the real deal is. And so this is the deal. And so say you draw that line in the sand. You're not going to build an arena unless, you know, X whatever the amount is, and of course, there's probably wide diversion on what that magic number is for people, um, but you want it, and I'm telling you, you're not going to get it. So you're, you're then saying that you're ready to walk away from the table. You're ready to tell the team, you know, it's time to look elsewhere. And of course, the team has so many other options, and this is why it's not realistic to expect more. I mean, they have billion-dollar arenas right now sitting in other cities that are bigger than ours, that don't have an NBA team and would love to have one. Seattle being the most notable example, Las Vegas being another example, they're proposing a, like a multi-billion dollar arena. Um, you obviously have uh, maybe not billion dollar, but nice arenas in cities like Kansas City and Nashville that would certainly be better than what we currently have. Um, and you certainly have an understanding that many of those much larger metropolitan areas could certainly put together an offer if they don't already have it. But but they wouldn't even need to do that because it's because there's venues like in Seattle right now today. Um, and of course, because they already exist, they don't ask anything from the team, you know. So, you know, we've never received um, a donation like this. And it is a donation, like we will own the arena. So essentially the team is donating $50 million to a public project. We've never received that before. Um, you know, I'm, I'm excited on one hand, that we've reached the level that we would even get somebody to help us build an arena. Cause you know, in 1927, 1962 and 1993, we had to do this by ourselves. Um, I hope as mayor that we continue to grow and someday we get those kind of offers that people love to show me that they got in San Francisco or Detroit, but those are metropolitan areas of four and five and 6 million people. It's a totally different, it's totally different econ economies in those communities, right? It's actually, kind of profitable to own an arena in those places. It's, it's not a great business proposition in a market our size. But what we have always felt is we don't want to not have those things. So we're going to kind of fill the gap. You know, we're not going to just say, well, I guess we can't have nice things in Oklahoma City because we're not big enough. We've decided to invest in those things to have those types of amenities that they have in bigger cities. Um, so, you know, the bottom line is like you have to decide whether it's worth it. And if you're just looking at it from an economic perspective, it's worth it at almost any level, right? Because, you know, they are 
responsible for over half a billion dollars of economic impact into our community every year. And, you know, by far, for that reason, the most important term in the agreement was its length, you know. So we have 30 years of half a billion dollars of economic impact coming into our city. Like the idea of walking away from that, saying, take that somewhere else, take that to, to Nashville, you know, and and over $50 million or $100 million is obviously cutting off your nose to spite your face. It's extremely short-sighted, right? It, the ROI on this pays off in two years for our community, um, you know, regardless of what the team puts into the venue. So I assure you as mayor, I'll take all the money I can get for our city crawfers. I'm, I'm happy to accept donations. Um, but ultimately, you can't make anyone do anything. You know, you have to you have to take what they offer and then make your decision. You know, and I always tell people, I'm like, was it, it's never been my role to walk away from the table. Like, you know, like this negotiation over the last 18 months, you know, I was never going to come back to the people of Oklahoma City and say, hey, you know what? Didn't like the offers I was hearing. I told the team to go ahead and leave. Didn't ask you about it. Just wanted to let you know, though. You know, I would I should rightfully have, you know, torches and pitchforks outside City Hall. If I said that this was always your decision. And my role was to present to you the best deal that the team would offer. And this is that deal. And the reality is, if we said no to it, not only, you know, all the things I've just alluded to, but I mean, December 13th is when if we said no, is when, you know, 18 other metropolitan areas start sending in their offers to the team and to the league. And you've got, you know, potential ownership groups, just like this team, like this group once was, you know, sending offers to the team and the league. And, you know, at some point, you know, you have to realize you don't get like one last chance, you know, like in Seattle, they kept saying no, they kept saying no. And then one day they woke up and there was a press conference scheduled to announce that Howard Schultz had sold the team to a group from Oklahoma City. There wasn't like a moment where they were like, okay, I'm serious. I mean, there probably was, and they just passed those, I guess. But but at some point, it just finally happens, you know? And so the idea that we can just say no and that there's not ramifications for that when when we are so small, when we are, you know, kind of like the, you know, the, well, I think I shared with you, and I'll share it here publicly, you know, like last week, Malcolm Gladwell, who a lot of people know as sort of a thinker, they don't think of him as a sports guy, but he, he goes on a Bill Simmons podcast. And of course, Bill Simmons is, been saying there shouldn't have a team in Oklahoma City forever. Um, you know, you got Malcolm Gladwell on there on this podcast, and he says, you know, well, I'm looking at Oklahoma City's population. I don't think they should have a team. I don't understand why they have a team. They're only 1.5 million people. That's what the world thinks, right? And that's why, you know, throughout this campaign, I've been saying it is OKC versus the world. They don't think we can do this. They don't want us to do this. They want this team to be somewhere else. The only people who want this team in Oklahoma City are us. And we can do it, you know, because we, we have local ownership, we have the wherewithal, and we have kind of possession in hand, which is nine-tenths of the law, as they say. You know, we have kind of an exclusive, uh, you know, negotiating period right here. But we say no, and all bets are off. And, and you know, it's the floodgates open with, with suitors from other cities and other ownership groups. And it's just silly to think that we can compete in what would become a bidding war, you know, with much larger players. But we have such a special opportunity here. Fortunately, I think a majority of the residents get that. But um, but that's what's at stake. And it is definitely urgent and it's definitely high stakes. And I have no belief that you get a second shot. At this. You know, obviously, there's a lot of people that uh, there's misinformation out there. You, you've talked about the Thunder Lease, the fact that they've agreed to be here for essentially 30 years. 
this money that they're putting in. I think some people believe that they have bought some part of this building. This is still a lease situation. If the if the city brings in concerts, if the building brings in concerts, that's the city, not the thunder. I, just clarify that for people yeah. who may be questioning. I do think that that can be important if you want to get in the weeds here. And I'll tell you, it's been one funny aspect of this, Jenny, is like I have spent two years basically trying to turn a city of 700,000 people into amateur sports business experts, right? Like it kind of requires that. And this is one element of it. There are a lot of arenas that are either owned or in some cases operated by the teams. Um, like so Milwaukee was publicly financed in partnership with donations from the team. But the team fully operates like like they're the ones who go out and try to get concerts to perform at the arena, not the city or its contract. For whatever reason, we have always owned and operated the arena and we work with a national company called ASM um, and they are our operator and they're the ones who go out and you know try to get concerts and other shows. The Thunder are just tenants like everybody else. I mean, they... Um, I mean, of course, there's special tenants. We we love them. You know, we understand the impact. But like legally, they're just tenants. You know, they use the building 12 to 15 percent of the nights. You know, I mean, when you think about it, 85 percent of the available nights at that building um, are not the thunder, you know, are not uh, up for up for grabs by the NBA. So it's like, you know, it's it's it's. Again, I'll take every donation I can get, but is it is it really rational to expect like other people who only use your building 12% of the time to pay for it? I mean, I'm surprised no one ever says, why don't we send an invoice to Paul McCartney? Why don't we send a bill to Elton John? You know, like, why aren't they chipping in? You know, I mean, like it's the reality is like you, you don't ask, you know, the bride to pay for the wedding venues, the construction costs. You don't pay the, you know. It's just not the way it works. If you want to host those things, you're going to have to pay for it. And again, fortunately, they're willing to donate $50 million to the cause. But we have been doing this on our own for 100 years. And someday, I hope we get some more help because we're bigger and we're more in demand. But right now, we're in a hyper competitive environment. And, you know, as I've said, and not to belabor it, but like we're in really in no position to drive a hard bargain. Um, the peers that we actually have, and I haven't said this yet, and it's important, like the peers that we usually get compared to in terms of NBA cities are Memphis and New Orleans, you know, because we're the third smallest market. And and they didn't have any help with their arenas, it, just like we didn't in the past. I mean, it's just like, that's more our, that's more our class of cities, you know, like comparing us to what happened in, in uh, some of these massive markets, Brooklyn and San Francisco and Detroit is just not, realistic or fair. And most importantly, it's just not, it's just not going to happen, you know? And again, like if we're going to win any battle, we have to be realistic about it. You know, it, what good would the, would the coaches and staff and players of this team be if they kept hoping every time they show up for a game that the league will give them 10 points to start the game because we're a small market, you know, they're no, they're not going to get that. That's never going to happen. And there are so many challenges that a small market team on the court faces, but they're still, they're not going to get 10 points when the game starts. They have to compete on the same level playing field. It's the same way here. We're not going to get any concessions and we're not playing in a junior version of the NBA. We have to compete. So, so let's talk let's a little talk about the arena because we had know that the current one built bare bones. 
The new one we know is going to be totally different. But what exactly do we or you or anyone who's sort of thought about what this new arena could be like, what do we mean by nice or extravagant or whatever <laughs> adjective we want to use? I mean, I know uh, uh, two decades ago when American Airlines Center opened down in Dallas, it was it, there was a wow factor. Yeah. But what are we talking about when we talk about the wow of Oklahoma City? Yeah. And of course, the irony with, with American Airlines Center is, you know, Mark Cuban wants a new one, you know, right it's now. It's time so. for a new one, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So just goes to show, right? So, right. Um, well, the mo- it's actually, look, there's definitely aspects of a new venue that are like, that, that give you that wow factor. I'm sure the, the proportions of it, the aesthetics of it, the finishes, you know, but ultimately most of the, you know, the things that really drive decision-making are going to be very practical. And and by practical, they're going to be revenue driving, you know, they're going to be things that make the users of the arena money. And again, it's like, you can be sort of, uh, you know, idealistic about all this, but the reality is like people play sports in your arena or perform in your arena because they want to make money. That is how, that is the business that they are in. It is a business. And so one of the main ways that people make money in arenas is not the tickets. The tickets are definitely a part of that revenue, but there is a ton of like, you know, they expect to pull you into that venue and to still have you using that credit card the whole time you're there, right? So they have, you know, all these hospitality areas they have kind of, you know, retail options and dining options that we just, we can't even really comprehend if we haven't been to one of those venues. We've never seen anything like that before. We don't even really know what they're talking about. If you haven't been to Pfizer Forum or Barclays Center or, or Chase Center in San Francisco. But the reality is these venues, these new modern arenas are just much bigger. And I've always talked about that is the single biggest differentiator that's problematic for our current venue is it is the literal smallest arena in the NBA by square footage. And that also is going to play out in the concert business as well. You know, we're too small uh, versus our competitors. So um, what that means is it's got nothing to do with seats. Seating capacity is fine. People like hear me say small and they always think they're even if I say I'm talking about square footage, they still say seats. (laughs) It's got nothing to do with the seating capacity. It's about the the size of the venue and outside of the bowl. So we're like 550,000 square feet, I think, roughly. And um, most NBA arenas are well over 750,000. And some are over a million, which would be basically almost twice our size. And um, and so, you know, the letter of intent we have with the team um, says that we will build an arena that is at least 750,000 square feet. So that'll be the biggest improvement. Um, obviously, you know, new arena, everything's going to be new and fresh and, you know, and different, you know, different theories. I mean, you know, if you go to Pfizer Forum, everything is open to the arena. When you're buying your hot dog, you can literally like look back over your shoulder and, and, uh, and see Giannis dunk. I mean, you know, it's all kind of an open floor plan. I mean, all of that, I'm sure will be things that will be considered. Um, but, um, and obviously with the amount of money we're talking about here, we can have an upper tier arena finally. And it really will be our first NBA arena because we didn't build this arena with the NBA in mind or in town. You know, we built it hoping we would get an NHL team. And so many things about it are geared towards that. And as you said, everything everything about it is bare bones. It was $90 million when we built it. Um, we improved upon it and now we put about $200 million into it. And that Dallas arena that you mentioned, when it opened 20 years ago, it cost over $400 million. So like we are so far off the as an outlier 
compared to other modern NBA arenas, you know, the Clippers are about to move into a $2 billion arena. So when people say to me, boy, that sounds like a lot of money, I'm like, of course it is. But in the economics of NBA arenas, it's not even close to the most expensive arena that the NBA is going to have. But it certainly, I think, would have every opportunity to place us in in the upper tier, you know, and that's that's for Oklahoma City, that will be more than more than good enough. So um, but definitely size would be the big thing. One other thing I'd say, though, um, and it's not a revenue driver, but it is definitely an architectural opportunity. It will make a statement about a city that aspires to stay a top 20 city and a city that aspires to raise that market rank above 42nd and a city certainly that aspires to maintain its relationship with major league professional sports. I, I look forward to that day when people are, you know, when when we see the renderings, you know, because all of that still is yet to come. But um, and then obviously when we when we cut that ribbon, because it's just going to be a different look and feel than than we've ever had before. I feel like people when Scissor Tail opened and the convention center opened, they felt, oh, this is like we've raised the bar. Well, this will definitely raise the bar a whole nother level. And if you look at other NBA arenas around the country, you'll know what I'm saying. They're just a different species than what we have today. That leads me to my last question, Mr. Mayor, the success of MAPS, some of those projects you just referenced, momentum that's been built. Do you sense that people trust the process, the proven track record of MAPS, of city leaders, that that will really help people as they head to the ballot uh, on December 12th? Yes, I think so. We have, you know, we've pulled this a few times uh, over the course of the last year to get a sense of where people are. And it's always been very positive because we have been on a great run for 30 years. And most people get that. You know, you you enter these campaigns and it's like we kind of get forced out of our bubble where everybody believes in maps and everybody believes in our city's future. And you're sort of half, you suddenly get forced to be exposed to very negative people who, you know, and you're like, you're like, you vote against maps? Like, I didn't know there were people who vote against maps, but of course there are, you know, like <laughs> the original maps. Let me, you know, we always talk about the winning percentages. Like, here's the here's the losing percentages. Here's the negative voters of every maps. It was 47%, uh, 46, no, 40%, 46%, and, and 28%. Obviously, the last one, maps four, was the most popular. But in every case, at least three, four, almost five people out of 10 got in their cars, drove to the polling place that day to vote no, right? So you're going to have that. And I kind of like, I, I, I say all that to sort of brace people who are supportive of this. Like you're going to have people in your life, especially on social media, that are just, they just can't vote yes. They don't know how to do it. It's not in their nature. At some point you sort of walk away or maybe you beg them not to vote. I don't know. That's up to you. But like, but, um, but there's going to be people that are against this. But what I have seen obviously throughout the course of this campaign and really or in some ways over the course of 30 years, I've seen a, commi- a community that a majority of our community, which is all you ultimately need, um, believes in our future, wants to move forward. And in this case, specifically wants to keep OKC a big league city. And I think they understand we, as I alluded to before, we've gone through this journey over the last two years. We've educated a lot of people about the business of sports and the realities of this. Um, and certainly a strong majority of the city wants to keep a th- keep the thunder and and a strong majority of the city seems to want um it seems to understand what it takes to keep the thunder and what we really just need at this point is for everybody to show up you know and and so the polls are meaningless ultimately the only one that counts is on december 12th so i will certainly be for you know working hard in this these next few weeks on turnout and getting raising awareness of it so everybody shows up and and expresses the opinion that i strongly believe 
the majority of our residents have. Well, Mr. Mayor, this has been great. Thanks for joining us to have this conversation. I hope we can do it again. Maybe December 13th is a good time to pencil into our calendars. I, I don't know. Yeah, we'll talk but, about the next chapter because this is going to be a fun journey over the next six years to build this thing. That's yeah. right. That's right. Lots more to talk about with the new arena. But thanks to Mayor Holden. Thanks to all of you for watching the Jenny Carlson Show. If this was the first time hearing or watching us here, be sure to subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. And if you like what you hear, please leave a review. And remember, you can find all my work at selloutcrowd.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.